Welcome to another edition of Anthony T's Horror and Wrestling Show. I am Anthony T. In this edition, this is part two of the best of 2021. I know I've been a little late with this episode, but it's here. Part two, where I, along with a guest, unveil our top ten films of 2021. Like the last episode, I'm not going to spend time doing horror or wrestling news. I am going to focus more on getting right to the top 10 films of 2021, in which I will be joined by Kevin Cook of Wicked Horror Show in Black and White Fright. We will be chatting about our 10 favorite films of 2021. But first, before I go into the best of 2021, I need to take a look back at 2020 at my top 10 list for 2020. I started off at number 10 with Blood Machines. Number 9, the Monster Squad documentary Wolfman's Got Nods. Number 8, Host. Number 7, Swallow. Number 6 was the horror anthology The Mortuary Collection. Number 5 was the documentary Scream Queen, My Nightmare on Elm Street. My number four was The Deeper You Dig. Number three was The Invisible Man. Number two was Color Out of Space. And my top film of 2020 was The Wolf of Snow Hollow. Now when I come back, I will be joined by Kevin Cook as we talk about the top ten films of 2021. Besides Anthony T's Horror Show... You can also listen to these other fine podcasts on the Doc Discussions Network. Doc Discussions, hosted by Phil Perone and Michael Darwin. You Know Nothing, Jon Snow, a Game of Thrones podcast. Bullets, Brothels, and Bots, a Westworld podcast. Halloween Boutique, Psychotronic Reviews. And Searching for American Gods. You can find Doc Discussions on the web at www.docdiscussions.com. And Doc Discussions is also available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and Spotify. Welcome back to Anthony T's Horror and Wrestling Show. I am here with... Kevin Cook of Wicked Horror Show, which can be found on the Dorkening Podcast Network. And he's here today with me to talk about the 10 best films of 2021. How are you doing today, Kevin? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. It's uh, This list was, was way harder to make than I thought it was going to be. Like, there's all these things that I wanted to add, and then I'm like, ah, like the placement and stuff. It'll, it, it'll be fun. It made me, like, go back and look at some movies that I forgot came out in 2021. Yeah, I'm always the one that just keeps a list every year. Mm-hmm. I'll have one of those lists on Letterboxd, keeping yeah. a track of what I watch, which films will be in the right places. Yeah. Then, at the end of the year, go back, relooks. Then maybe this... Film should be higher. This film should be lower. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with me it was. Uh, I, I usually would remember more, but with the with everything the way it is, I watch everything from home for the most part. Two of the movies that are on my list are actually movies I saw in the theater. 
I thought it was one, but now I think about it, it was two. But at the same time, I wanted to see more of them in the theater. I wish I could have, but thankfully for awesome streaming services like Shudder and you know, even Netflix, stuff like that, these things are a click away a lot of times, you know? Yeah, this 10 million streaming services these days. Yep, yep. and we're, we're going to go broke. Yeah, probably. Yeah, everyone, I, I, I see it going that route, to be honest with you. I see it, like, eventually being, like, there, there's shows that, uh, one of the guys that's on uh, Wicked Horror Show, uh, 13th Wolfman, he, um, he's refusing to do the streaming thing. And I'm like, there's shows that are coming out that are only on streaming. Like, the only way you can see it is on, is on streaming. He's like, that's ridiculous. I'm like, ah, that's where they're making their money right now. You know? Look at Netflix. Yep. Only way you can see Army of the Dead. Yep. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot, uh, you know, I know Hulu has, like, their Hulu original stuff, and, uh, you know, even, like, things like Peacock, they have, uh, stuff that's only on Peacock, you know, but, yeah, whatever. It is what it is. That's the way, sadly, it's going. Yep. And that's, we, we talk about it a lot on Wicked Horror Show, too, like, uh, we think that the physical media is, is on its way out, unfortunately, as well, because we're all fans of physical media. We think it's going to be more like a boutique thing eventually. Like, you know how, like, everyone, like, all these guys are hunting down vinyl records. We think it's going to be like that. You know, not for a while, but I think that's that's the way it's going. You know? Yeah, maybe in the next 10 years, 10, 20 yeah. years. Yeah, but it's good for collectors. You know, we'll get yeah. some more limited stuff. And even independent filmmakers, that you know, they'll, if they have a perk where you're getting a physical copy, I'm sure that that'll be something people will jump on, you know? Yep. Now, let's get on to our top ten lists. Okay. I will let you start off since you're the guest. All right. Um, so, for me, and again, this was uh, this was tough. Like, I really don't like the placement of this. But um, my number ten is, is and I, I listed it as the series because I couldn't pick which one, but I have Fear Street um, is my number ten. And I don't like that it's number ten. I think it should be higher up, but then there's other ones I don't want to move. But I really enjoyed all three movies. I, I want to say the second one is probably my favorite, and I know it's like I know a bunch of people that disagree with me. They think the third one is their favorite, or that that is the best one. But whatever, they're all great. I think it's I think it's great that they did it, you know. And I don't know, Fair Street. That's that's uh, my number ten. I can tell you, all three Fair Street films are in my top fifteen films. Oh, nice. Of two thousand twenty-one. Nice. Only one made the top ten. Oh yeah. We'll have to just we'll have talk to about that when when we get to when it. When we yeah. get there, when we get there. Yeah, My yeah, number yeah. ten is a film, a documentary called Clapboard Jungle. This was a great documentary. This is a documentary. If you want to get into filmmaking, you need to see this film. This isn't this Lloyd Kaufman make your own damn movie mm. type of documentary. This documentary shows the struggles of indie filmmaker Justin McConnell as he tries to get financing for his various projects off the ground. Whether it's going to Cannes or to other film festivals in order to get his works made, it's a very good look at how it is for an independent film to get financing. Mm. And it features a lot of interviews, including Sid Haig, George A. Romero, Larry Cohen. Mm. It's very loaded with interviews. Nice. And the U.S. Blu-ray does not 
give this film justice. I highly recommend you go either seek out the Canadian edition Blu-ray, the Arrow version for Clapboard Jungle, or go on to the Arrow streaming service, as it's just loaded with interviews from tons of people. Romero, Baba Crampton, I believe Tom Savini's also had an interview, Charles Band, Lloyd Kaufman, many others. This is a great film if you want to get into the film business. Nice. Sounds interesting, for sure. So the next one I have is uh, is a it's a series. Uh, I felt really dumb because I didn't realize that the series, uh, the season was actually the fourth season. Uh, me and one of my other friends saw it. It's on Shudder, um, and it's called Slasher. The season is called Flesh and Blood, um, and it's it's kind of like... There's three seasons of Slasher on Netflix that are earlier seasons. They, I guess, I think they were on another network. Um, and the fourth season is on Shudder as a Shudder original. Um, it's a Canadian show and it's, it's kind of like an American horror story kind of thing where you see the same cast in, in all the other seasons. Um, and it's just a different story. They're different characters every season. Um, have you, have you seen Slasher or have you, have you checked I've it out? I've heard of it. I've heard yeah. of it. I really enjoyed it. It was, uh, this uh this season is about uh like a family that they they all meet up at the family house which is on like an island and the father who's like a billionaire is is being, it's basically like a you know you have to survive to get the inheritance kind of deal so there's like tons of and there's lots of really good gore in it like really good gore and it's just done really well I, I liked it a lot now that you mention is that the one with David Cronenberg in it um I don't know possibly. I think so. Let me see. I can pull it up right here because I was just looking at it on IMDb. Yeah, there, there is some people in there that are, yeah, it's, uh, no, D- Dean McDermott is in it. He's been on a bunch of stuff that my wife watches. But yeah, I don't, I don't see his name here. But that being said, it is a very good show, um, and I recommend it. It, it, it kind of picks. It's, it's better than what an American Horror Story has become. Mm-hmm. You know. Actually, yeah, looking at. Slasher, he does say under 2021 he's in it. Okay. Because I'm at his filmography. He's he's older, right? Yes, he's older, yes. I think he's the father. Spencer? Yeah, I think that's him, yeah. He's the father, the millionaire, yeah. Yep, David Cronenberg. Nice. So I recommend it. It's on Shudder. There's only, uh, let me see, for this season, there is... Eight episodes. Yeah, yeah. And it's, they're good length. They're they're not too quick. They're not too long. You know, they they get to the point, and it's really good acting. And I I just really enjoyed it. And I like I said, I felt like a dummy because I didn't realize that there was three other seasons before this. I thought this was the first season. Um, and then three other seasons are on Netflix. So far, the the first three seasons that are on Netflix, I don't think are as good as season four. It seems like they're going for more. Like they're able to get away with more on Shutter, obviously, um, as far as gore and, and uh, violence. But uh, I I recommend it. So, yeah, check it out. My number nine film, remember you talked about Fear Street? Yes, yep. And you talked about how you like 1978? Yeah. That is my number nine film. Nice. I like the film out of all the three Fear Street films. In fact, mm-hmm. that was pretty much my biggest surprise of 2021. Mm-hmm. Because going in, I had no interest in those films mm-hmm. until I heard... From a couple people who were very good, so I checked one out. It was very good. Checked the next one out. Then after a while, you're checking the last one out. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, that that second one. It definitely it, it it has the old school slasher feel. They, they they do it very well. Like it's not cheesy. It's not like overdone. It feels like a you know. Yeah, I I, I agree. The movie's great. Yeah, I also like the fact that this film has some excellent kill scenes. Mm-hmm. The performances are very good, and the fact that this film really felt like an old school slasher film. Yeah. And one of the things I liked about the Fear Street series as a whole is every film felt different. Yeah. You had the new school slasher, you had the old school slasher, you had the supernatural film. Each film was different. That's why I think what made the three Fear Street films successful, in my opinion. Yeah, and I'm hoping that they they do something more. Um, Hope. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Yeah. My number eight is a Russian movie that's on Shutter as well uh, that uh, technically was released in Russia in 2020, but the American release was 2021, and um, hopefully that's okay. Um, we're, all, we're going by American release. Okay, good. Um, and that is Super Deep. Uh, have you seen Super Deep? No. Oh my God, it's very fun. It's very it has a like a, a very much like a, the thing feel to it. Um, it's like these. Uh, scientists that are going down into like underground in the arctic and they're you know they're have to do these tests and there's like issues and legit the monster that's in this is made of people so like there's a a giant that's made of people and the people are all screaming because it hurts like you know you're walking on them as feet you know like it's it's just done it was done really well i mean it's it's not like uh the best I mean, it's a good acting, you know, acted movie and stuff like that. But it's just visually, it's really fun, um, and I and I really enjoyed it. It's something I needed at that time, you know. So yeah, it's on Shutter. Check it out. My number eight film is What Happens When You Get the Director of a Japanese Horror Film Called Suicide Club and Nicolas Cage starring in your film. You get a post-apocalyptic action film that is so way out there. In so way intense. I'm talking about Prisoners of the Ghostland. Now this film is what David Lynch would probably put out if he was doing one of these weird post-apocalyptic bank robbing westerns with nuclear holocausts. This film has Cyan Sono's trademark weirdness with Nicholas Cage bizarreness. And this was not the only time Nicolas Cage went Nicolas Cage this year. He also did that in Willy's Wonderland as well. But this is the better film of the two. Nice. I haven't seen it, actually. It's on Shudder. Oh, I know. It's uh, it's one of those things that eventually I'll get to it. Um, There's just too much on Shudder. Like, every time I go to watch something, I'm like, what's this? Oh, this is new. All right, I'm going to watch this. I don't know. Like, it's, Shudder's too good. I watch it more than I watch Netflix, which is saying something. Yeah, this film is so out there. Nice. Now, well, like, compared, yeah. compared to Mandy, would, would you say, like, it's better than Mandy? No, Mandy's better than that. Okay. At least Nicolas Cage is being serious for most of the film. Hmm, okay. He did, this one is just over-the-top Nicolas Cage? This is just over-the-top Nicolas Cage. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. And it also stars Sofia Botella from Kingsman and Bill Mosley as well. 
Oh, okay, yeah. I saw. I've seen pictures. Just, I mean, I mean, it looked cool, anyways. But the fact that Bill Mosley's in it is a, a reason for me to also make sure that I, I check it out eventually. Yeah, it's one of those films where you have cowboys and samurais all wrapped in one film. It's weird, mm, nice. but it's just fun to watch. Yeah. Your next uh-huh. film. My next film, uh, and I and I just realized I lied because I also saw this movie in the theater. I think I'm pretty sure I did. Maybe I didn't. Um, Spiral. Remember From the book you yeah. saw? Yeah. Like I'm not a huge Saw guy. Like I'm in general, I, I like they're I think they're fun and whatever. I really like this one. I, it was it was good to see Chris Rock not acting as Chris Rock, but being serious and stuff like that. And I and I generally enjoyed the movie. Yeah, that, I was literally scared that I would get Chris Rock being Chris Rock. Right. But he does a great job with this film in the screenplay of this film. Yep. And that's another thing. I I I hope that he continues to go this way. You know, like not all the time, but you know, just like Jordan Peele, like he's very funny and you know talented as a comedic actor, but like he also makes some really original, like cool horror. So it's I, I'm 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 happy to see that there's some people taking some risks out there. You know. Yeah, and this one I was like looking forward to so badly mm-hmm. that I had to wait because of the pandemic. Yeah, yeah. And surprisingly, I think this film. It just edges out the new Halloween film from this year as well. Mm. Neither are in my top ten. But. Oh yeah, yeah. but I, I agree with you. I think Spiral is a much better movie than the new Halloween, uh, the newest Halloween as well, because um, it's nowhere near my list. But um, it's one of those ones where it's like I kind of want to put it up higher. I kind of want to put it down lower, like because I look at other ones that are in my list and I'm like, ah, this one is, uh, I don't know. But I, I generally think it was a it was a surprise that it was as good as it was. And uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. It made it made me want to go back and watch more more Saw movies. To be honest with you, yeah, I remember watching the last Saw movie previously before Spiral, and was thinking to myself, have these Saw movies become procedural horror films? Yeah, and like, I uh, went and saw Spiral, yeah. and this actually looked like a very good film. Mm-hmm. I think it also was credit that they brought back Darren Lynn Brousman to direct as well. Mm. Yeah, it was a it's yeah it's one that surprised me a lot. It's a series, like I said, it's a series that I'm I'm generally not like hurrah like I I like I don't have any saw merchandise I don't have anything like that but I really enjoyed this one. Okay, my number seven film is a weird horror comedy from Dread. And I even had the director on the show a couple episodes ago. Oh, nice. The film is called Val. It's about this criminal who's on the run, breaks into this high-class escort only to realize everything's not right. Hmm. This was just like a very well-balanced horror comedy. It had very good lead performances. It had a very good story. It was just one of those films where I appreciate independent horror. Hmm. Where, where is that? Is that streaming anywhere, or is is it just physical media? Or uh, right now, I believe it's just physical media. Okay. It sounds like something I would check out, though. Like uh, I, I, I definitely want to grab some info from you on that. Yeah, that's very good. It's 
If you like Beetlejuice, it's kind of in, in that vein. Nice. There's nothing wrong with that. Oh, my next one is a documentary. Um, I'm a big Universal Classic Monster fan. Frankenstein's my favorite, even though there's so many other really great Universal Classic Horror movies, like even sequels and stuff like that. But I, I was super happy to see this documentary come out. It's called Boris Karloff, The Man Behind the Monster. Um, and it's basically just about Boris Karloff and how he became, like, how he got the job and what he was doing before Frankenstein and, like, continuing to work after that up until, up to his death. And you were talking about interviews and stuff like that. This one's got interviews with Ron Perlman, uh, Guillermo del Toro, Christopher Plummer. Um, there's a couple of other, John Landis is in there. Dick Miller is, it does an interview as well. Jack Hill. So, yeah, it, it's, uh, Really good documentary if you're a fan uh, of the classic monsters and the actors who portrayed them. Like I said, I'm a, I'm a fan of Boris Karloff and Frankenstein's the man. And uh, I really, generally, I love good documentaries. And this this was a very good documentary. Now, was this a theatrical release? Or no, VOD? it's, 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 a, it's, yeah, it's VOD. It's, it's, uh, yeah, I, I had to, it's, I got it through YouTube. Like I rented it for like three ninety nine or something like that. Okay. Yeah. But it's available streaming in a bunch of bunch of places. Like like to pay you have to pay for it though. So eventually, if it comes out with a physical copy, I will uh, be all over that. My number six film is a film that was lost for years. So much so that it was buried to the point where nobody wanted this film released. Because this was supposed to be one of those paid educational films but it turned out to look like a horror film instead reminder to anybody who wants to do educational films never hire a horror director because you will get a psychological horror film like the amusement park this is a very good George Romero film. It's one of those old school George Romero films. More in the line of the crazies. He's doing this educational film about senior citizens. And it turned out to be one of those really very disturbing films. The film has a great monologue in the beginning to set up this film. Then it sets up this film very well. With this old guy all beaten up. Why this other guy who looks exactly like him is going out to the amusement park. It's a very chilling film for its short runtime. You can see why the people who paid for this educational film never wanted this film out in the open. Because that's not what they wanted when they wanted an educational film about senior citizens. Yeah. The only people who got educated were the people who paid for that. And, you know, they got educated that you know, maybe we should look into the director before we uh, just hire them. He does go into the things about ageism, classism. Yeah. But if you're going to direct an educational film, never hire George Romero. <laughs> Mental note. Yeah. Note I just taken. cannot believe someone would do that. Yeah. Well, they didn't they didn't know what they were doing, I'm sure. And instead, we get this nice gem that just sat there for about 30, 40 years. Yeah. And thankfully, it came out this year. For it's, on, it's on Shudder. It's on Shudder. 
this next one is also on Shudder. Um, this this movie came out in April. It's uh, The Girl Who Got Away. It's more more so a thriller. It does amp up at the end a bit, but it's uh, a really good movie about this girl who, uh, as a child, she was, you know, she was taken and, you know, she was kidnapped and raised by this crazy woman along with these other girls. And she killed all these other girls and she's the only girl who got away and hence the title. And uh, it just, it's kind of her life. And then she finds out that the mother, that the woman she calls mother who kidnapped her gets out of prison. No, she doesn't get out of prison. She escapes. And then it's just all hell breaks loose. It, it just was re- it was done really well. Uh, it's only like it's a little under two hours long. Very, very well acted. There's people like most of the people on the cast I've never heard of, but they were they were great. And then I, I went back and looked and some of them have been in other bigger, bigger movies, but smaller parts. Like uh, this, the, the, the guy who played the police officer, he's been in. Um, let me see. He was in the what is it called? That new Peacemaker. He's on. He's in that show. The Peacemaker uh, with the, you know, with. John Cena, he was in John Wick 2, uh, stuff like that. But uh, I think he's more smaller parts in those movies, and he was awesome in this. So it's, it's, it's always good to see some of these actors get, you know, some really good roles. You know, unfortunately, this movie is not like on everyone's list and in everyone's eyeballs. You know, it's, it kind of just sits gathered amongst all of the other awesome that's on Shudder. But uh, yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. H- have you seen it? No. I liked it a lot. I liked it a lot. So I recommend it if, if, if you like thrillers. And that, here's the thing, too. It keeps you guessing. You think something is going to happen. You think someone is who they are and you, like you're wrong. And then, you know, it, they did a very good job at that. You know, very good job confusing you. You know, my number five film is St. Maud. Now, this film came on late to the list. Now, I'm not a fan of these religiously obsessed horror films, but this was just one chilling film from start to finish. One of the things I really liked about this film a lot was the fact that the screenplay does a great job focusing on its main character and her obsession with her religion and how it starts to lead her down this downward spiral. The director, Rose Glass, does a great job making sure that the dread and psychological horror aspects are up to 10, whether it's through his actions or voiceover narration to explain what's going on in the psychologicalness of the main character. This film also has a great lead performance as well. It's a very chilling film with a very shocking ending. Nice. Is, is that, where is that? Is that streaming anywhere? I think this was, I think it might be on Hulu. Oh, really? Okay. It, it, it was a controversial film, to mm. say the least. It took a while for it to get released. Yeah. This next one is a very, uh, very serious, down-to-earth, uh, you know, real get-you-in-the-gut thriller. Uh, I'm just kidding, it's not. It's Psycho Goreman, by the way. Uh, and this is another one that, like, it, it's, it, it just hits... 2021 for for us it was released like in other countries in 2020 the u.s release was in 2021 so it, it counts um second is just a very good time um it's ridiculous uh one of one of my other co-hosts on the wicked horror show didn't really like it too much he he thought it was over the top i'm like well that was the point of it um 
really cool uh like rubber monsters and really fun kills and it's 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 just a, it's a good time you know it's not too serious or serious at all i guess um i really i love it and that's that's on is that on shutter as well it's on shutter now. yes yeah i'm assuming you've seen psycho gore man yeah i saw that it's just that was like number 11 on my list oh yeah 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 nice I almost, and that's another one that, where it's like it's up high, and I'm like, it kind of could have gone down lower, but I'm just like, whatever, it is what it is. It was like, between that and Clapboard Jungle, I had to go with the more serious pick. Yeah, you're like, all right, Kevin's going to go with all the dumb stuff. I know it. Um, no, not that. It's just that <laughs> literally, I know everybody's probably seen Psycho Gorman. Yeah. If they haven't, they're crazy. Anyone who's listening to this, I'm positive has seen it. If I'm wrong... I'm sorry. But if I'm wrong, you need to change that. You need to see it. Now, num- my number four is a film that slasher fans should be checking out. And I know some s- slasher fans, I- in fact, probably most of you don't like reading subtitles. I love subtitles. My number four film is The Last Matinee. Oh. When I first saw this on VOD, I was just blown away with this film. The director does a really good job creating some very good set pieces, some very good kills scenes. It had a great traditional slasher feel mixed in with Gylo. This film, you could tell, was a love letter between John Coppiner and Dario Argento. It was intense, bloody kill scenes, very creepy killer, all confined in a movie theater. Nice. You can find this one on the Arrow streaming service. Which you're slowly talking me into getting. Only four ninety nine a month. Yeah, tell my wife that and uh, see what she says. <laughs> Every time I say something, she's like, oh, yeah, just cancel your shutter then. I'm like, no, that's not going to happen. All right, so the, my next three movies are all big budget Hollywood blockbusters, and I feel like a dummy for doing it. But this next one for me is the one that I was talking about that's horror adjacent. It's not a horror movie, but there's, there's horror aspects to it. Do you have any guesses first? The Nighthouse? Nope. It's it's a big budget. Malignant? Nope. No, I would say that that follows that follows not horror adjacent. This is actually a PG thirteen movie that I did see in the theater, and I, I'm sorry if it's not acceptable, but uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife. Ghosts. There's ghosts, ghosts in it. Yeah. Paul Rudd is is horrifying. I'm just kidding. Um, but it, it's I I absolutely loved this movie. Like I like uh, as a fan of the original, more so the original than the, even the sequel, um, and I didn't hate the one that the all female one. I didn't hate it as much as everyone else did. Um, I really think that this one really captured the feel of the original, and it was just done very well. Ha- have you seen it? No. Oh my god, it's so good. It I got a pre order for Blu-ray. Oh man, yeah, it's on it's on streaming um, uh, right now. I'm not sure where though. But it's uh, it's it's really good, it's really good. Um, and it, you, you know, you know Ryan from that strange show. He's kind of like a hardcore guy. He's into like you know heavy music and all this. Mm-hmm. He cried twice during this movie. He cried twice because it does, with it being funny and with it being like suspenseful and and like creepy at times. It also like pulls at your heartstrings because you know it's Ghostbusters and the original Ghostbusters are in it. So there you go. If it wasn't for COVID, I would probably be rushing to see that film. Yeah, I, I we we went to a very small theater. Um, we didn't go to one of the big ones. We went to a small one where we knew that there was going to be less people, and we we, you know, we had our mask on the whole time except for when we were eating popcorn. 
but uh, yeah, it's it it was awesome. Really, I loved it. Now, continuing my independent <laughs> list, <laughs> my number three film is a film called Censor. Now, this is, film takes place in the 80s, in the height of the video nasty era, where a woman who works as one of the censors of the British film board was, watches a movie and spots the fact that one of the actresses in the movie might be her lost sister, who she refuses to believe is dead, while her parents have believed that she's dead. Hmm. Goes missing years earlier. This is one of those films where you can get this David Lynch kind of vibe throughout as the film spirals down out of control. Mm -hmm. Has some very good kill scenes, very gory towards the end. I like how this film really plays also with the ratios towards the last act of the film. It really gave this 80s vibe to it. Everything had a David Lynch type mystique to it, which really, I think, helps this film and leads to another very shocking ending. Like, almost most of my films on my list have <laughs> shocking endings. That's not, In order to get on, on, on Anthony's list, you have to shock him. That's, that's the only criteria. Shock him. Yes, shock me. Yeah. <laughs> Trust me, I got another film that has that. Yeah. So again, this is a, for me. It's another big budget, uh, but it's it's a remake or not a it's a continuation of a movie that we uh, we all oh, I think we all love, um, and that's actually Candyman, the new Candyman. I thought I mean I thought it was I thought it was awesome. Uh, I thought they really kind of captured the feel. Lots of really cool stuff. If you like are watching the background, there's a lot of just cool stuff happening during this movie. Uh, one of those ones that it made me want to watch it again. Cause I was like, Hey, wait a minute. I just saw this at the tail end of stuff. Like, you know, huh? What, what, what's going on? And then of course, you know, Tony Todd does make an appearance in the movie. So that's, that's a plus. And, uh, I really liked, uh, I mean, they, they kind of changed the origin of Candyman a little bit. Uh, but you know, they, they, you make sure you know, they, they made it so there's multiple Candyman's. but, uh, I, I enjoyed it. This is another one that I saw in the theater. And I was not disappointed with it, to say the least. Did you have you seen it? No, I have not seen it yet. Really? What? It's it was done really well. And it, like so, when you do watch it, pay attention. Like just pay attention to the background and stuff. Like there's things where it's like okay, there's like this scene where it's panning through and like there's a high rise. Just pay attention to what's going on in the windows in the high rise. It's like whoa, that's crazy. You know, it's pretty cool. My number two film is based on a short film. Now, I remember seeing the short film back, I think, 2017, called The Stylist. It was like this brief, maybe like 10-minute short film, but it was like, had great acting, everything looked very professional. Then come to find out that the director of that film decided to make a feature of that, and I was like so excited then even more excited that Arrow Video picked the film up for distribution because they'll pick up some newer films for distribution. And to say, that is such a great film. The film has great direction by Joe Garavigian, 
If I pronounce your name wrong, I apologize. Her direction was just great. I liked how she makes everything move at a good pace. I like how she makes your main focus be on the main character of the film. As she drives down to descent as she wants to be light and everything. The film also has a very great lead performance from... Nigeria Townsend, Brie Grant's also in this film. And it's also another film that has a shocking ending. <laughs> Go figure. It's just the last visual is just so horrifying. It's a very good film. It's a film that people really should check out. The Stylist is my number two film. Nice. So it's time for my number one. Yes. So my number one is a movie that they were promoting before the pandemic started. Like when I would go to the movie theater, there would be big uh, standees and everything. And I actually think it would be kind of cool to track one of those down because they would have the wrong date on it, you know. Um, and it was supposed to be released right right when the pandemic was, was happening. Um, the trailer looked so good and so intense. And they kept pushing it back, pushing it back, pushing it back. Um, and that movie is Antlers is my number one. Just came out like literally just came out like right at the end of the year it is it did not let me down at all the only thing that some people may not like is uh there's a ton of character development so there's there's a lot of times where there isn't a lot of gore and horror because you're 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 learning to like really care about these characters but let me tell you holy crap do they they just they they go from like a three and then you just like crank it to 10 for like the last like 20 minutes of this movie um and it's it was really, it was really, really, really good. Um, so yeah, Antlers. It's it's streaming on uh, Prime right now, or uh, I think multiple places. You can rent it VOD. It's one of those movies that when they do a physical release, it's going to be on the shelf. This is one that I would definitely add to my collection. And it's also, I mean, it's got it's got um, Carrie Russell's in it, and the guy that I like to call wrong looking Matt Damon, uh, Jesse Plemons. He looks like a Matt Damon's weirder brother is in it. But yeah, it was really good. Have, have you seen Antlers, or did no. you know about Antlers? Did you know anything about it? I've heard about it, but I haven't seen it. It's really good. <laughs> it's it's one of those other ones. I'm 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 actually kind of happy. I, I thought we were going to have some of the same. We only had like one of the same movies, so that's that's pretty good. Yes, you know? that's pretty. I can awesome. guarantee you, we have one of the, only one film yeah. that's the same. My number one film earned this director. The title of Master of Horror. You know, you have greats like John Carpenter, Toby Hooper, Wes Craven. To be a Master of Horror, you have to do multiple genres. Now, this guy has done the slasher torture porn genre. He's done the supernatural genre. And now he's added the monster movie genre to his list. I'm talking about James Wan in his latest film, Malignant. This was a film where I first said after I saw this film, this is a masterpiece. Everything was great. The visual effects were great. It has an excellent scene in the police station where it's just blood flying all over the place. It goes full Italian horror. James Wan... Also does a very good job making sure he balances all this action with all this drama. It's quite possibly James Wan's best film since Saw. Hmm. 
And it's and you've seen his body of work with the Conjuring films and the Insidious films. This film has to be his best film since Saw. It's just it builds tension. It has great performances from Annabella Walls, Maddie Hassan. It's a great film. It's like it's a film I would see again. And it also pays tribute to Gilo, like the last matinee, so that's another plus. There you go. The big question is, was was it shocking? No. Oh, come on. You know, there's no, so there's no shocking ending. Oh, man. Oh, it's man. It's a big budget studio film. What do you expect? Uh, well, that's, you know, whatever. It is what it is. I don't so, want yeah. to see a sequel, but yeah, I can put James Wan with John Carpenter... Wes Craven, and Toby Hooper now, after mm. Malignant. Because he's mastered at least three of the horror genres. Mm. Because before Malignant, everybody knew him as pretty much that supernatural guy with the Conjuring and the Insidious films. Even though they may forget that he did sort. Mm. But at least this is a film in which it was just crazy. And it really shows the talent of James Wan when he's not doing the supernatural stuff. Nice. So that's our top tens. Is there any? Just a real quick. I don't know if you know if you mind me asking, but is there any movies coming out this year that you're like excited for? Terrifying too. Hopefully. Well, yes. Yeah. Hopefully. Hopefully. That's that's a big one. Uh, there's a bunch that are in production right now, like uh, Dark Circles. I, I'm excited about. Um, there's another one, Wolf Hollow, that just hit their goal on Indiegogo. They just they just ran just like thirty thousand dollars in like a couple weeks, which is awesome. And it's a werewolf movie, which is even cooler. The Bomb Pot Two from Scream Team releasing. Oh, it's another one I'm looking forward to. There's you were talking before about a movie that you saw a short film of and they made a feature of. There's this a guy that we, a director that we met. This I don't even know how many years ago this was up in Buffalo at Buffalo Dreams Fantastic Film Festival. He did a short film called Slapface, and it was awesome. His name is Jeremiah Kipp. He's the director. Oh, I know him. He did. He did a great. He directed a great film a couple years ago called Teresa and Allison. Oh, really? Um, So they're making a feature out of Slapface. It's actually already been made. It comes out in February, and it's gonna. It's coming to Shutter. Yeah, I think I might have heard of uh, that. May have came across that. I'm super excited and happy for him. He's a very nice guy. Very nice guy. We uh, we actually, I, we didn't, you know, at the end of the, the day, we all went to one restaurant and like, you know, whatever. And that, that, that film festival is a good time. It's uh, Greg Lamperson who did. Uh, um, Buffalo Dreams. Slime, yeah, Buffalo Dreams. He did Slime City and Slime City Massacre. He made those movies. Yes. Um, he's the one who runs it. Um, so you get to hang out with all these cool filmmakers and, and whatever. So, yeah, Slapface is one that I'm definitely looking forward to that's coming out soon. I'm hoping for a good year for horror. Yeah. Actually, I'm also looking forward to the new screen film whenever I get the chance to. Really? I I I don't I'm really have much interest. I'm hearing good things about it. I'm hearing mixed things. So that's funny. Like I, like uh, Angel from that strange show. He's just like, eh, it was all right. He's like, it, it's what you're expecting. Like that's. He's like, they did a good job doing what you expected. I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> good. But yeah. uh, but yeah. Probably also Doctor Strange too. Don't forget that one, the Multiverse of Madness. That looks like yeah. to me. I'm really borderline I'm really, horror. I'm really out of the loop when it comes to uh, 
to the Marvel movies. I'm totally out of the loop. Like I, I was all about them when we could go to movie theaters because those are movies that I want to see in a theater. Like th- that's an experience, you know. And it's like, I mean, I have a projector in here and I have like a hundred inch like screen, but that's not the same as being in a in a movie that like the chairs like vibrate. You know, it's, it's not the same. I know, you know the feeling. Yeah. I've been wanting to get back to the movie theaters. Uh, that, that that theater that I'm talking about in my area, I haven't been to since the pandemic. And it's because I know it's going to be a mess. I know it's not going to be safe because of where it is and, and <laughs> the people that go there. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. It is what it is, right? Someday, hopefully, we can go back to normal. Hopefully soon. Yeah, hopefully. Now, where can they find you, Kevin? Uh, well, Tuesday nights, I do. I, I'm one of the hosts of the Wicked Horror Show. Uh, we broadcast live uh, with video uh, on on Facebook and YouTube at Wicked Horror Show on both of those platforms. And we have uh, guests uh, every week, for most of the weeks. Uh, we'll have uh, every, anyone from like first-time filmmakers up to horror legends. We've had Kane Hodder's been on the show. Sid Haig was on the show. We've had Barbara Crampton more than once. Um, D. Wallace. But then, like, the, the one that we had just yesterday is his very first movie. And it's streaming for free on Prime. You know, it's it's called Flesh. And he's just, he's just a, you know, first movie, he's the first feature he's ever done. He's he's 23 years old. And it was, uh, you know, we like talking to those guys, too, because it's they're the up-and-comers. They're the ones that are going to be making what we loved down the road, you know. Um, but it's an hour-long show. Open chat room. People can ask questions. And then two weeks later, the audio for that goes up on the audio side. So if you're more of an audio podcast listener, you can go to Wicked Horror Show, and it's there. I'm also part of uh, a show called Black and White Fright, where we strictly talk about black and white classic horror movies. Um, and uh, we do that every two weeks. But, uh, yeah, that, that's a, it's a really fun show as well. And that's it. Well, Kevin, I want to thank you for coming on to the podcast again. Yeah. Man, thank you. Thanks for asking me. Makes well, me feel special. <laughs> <laughs> well, very nice chatting with you, and have a good day. Yeah, you too. Every day there's a family struggling with hospital bills to care for their sick child who is fighting an illness. There's a woman who is fighting breast cancer and is having trouble making ends meet while paying for their treatment. And there are burn victims that are going through treatments to heal their deep wounds. There is a charity in the horror community that helps these people. Scares That Care is an organization that helps families deal with the bills for their child. They help women get the treatment they need to fight breast cancer. And they help people who are dealing with severe burns get the help they need to heal. Scares That Care is a 100% volunteer organization and 501c3 nonprofit charity that is dedicated to helping these people in fighting real monsters. To find out more information or to donate to Scares That Care, you can go to www.scaresthatcare.org. Every donation helps Scares That Care fight real monsters. You'll find Anthony T's power and wrestling show on these social media platforms. On Facebook, Instagram, and the Slasher app at Amputees Power and Wrestling, and on Twitter at Amputees Power. You'll find new episodes on DocDiscussions.com, major podcast providers, and YouTube.
What's Anthony T. watching since this is a best of 2021 episode, as this is part two, I decided to look back at another film that I did not see in 2021. And I'm talking about a film that was mentioned on Kevin Cook's top ten list of 2021. I'm talking about Ghostbusters Afterlife which recently hit Blu-ray. But I saw this film over a friend's house not even 24 hours after I recorded the Best of 2021 list. Now, Ghostbusters was a film that I grew up in the 80s watching, liked both those films, and been waiting for, like, a true sequel to the original two films. And when I heard of Afterlife being that, sort of that true sequel, I was very interested in watching this film. This is one of those films that I've been waiting for quite a while to see. Obviously, with the pandemic and everything, I did not watch this film in theaters. Didn't even bother going to see that film there. I figured I'd wait it out on Blu-ray, but... Like I said, I saw it at a friend's house. But still, I really was very interested in seeing this film. Because the way the film looked, it had the chance to be something that was like the first two Ghostbusters films. The film is directed by Jason Reitman, who is the son of... Director Ivan Reitman, who directed the first two Ghostbusters films. Plus, you had Paul Rudd in this film. That was all enough to convince me to see this film. But you add the fact that this is a true sequel to the original two Ghostbusters films. I was sold on this film almost immediately. And probably would have seen it in theaters under normal circumstances. But I waited till like, this long... To see this film. But still, this was definitely worth the wait as I really enjoyed this film a lot. One of the things that I really liked about Ghostbusters Afterlife is the fact that it didn't try to be like Ghostbusters or Ghostbusters 2, where it really focuses more on the humor and the horror. Instead, I liked how they told a story here. Because if you're going into this film thinking you're getting the original Ghostbusters, you're going to be sadly mistaken. Because this is more of a serious film. And I really thought it was the right call to go in a more serious direction with this entry in the Ghostbusters franchise. As you needed to reboot this franchise somehow. And by doing this This way, it works out very well. Jason Reitman's directing in this film was very good. I like the fact that he does a very good job focusing on his characters, making sure he gets the performances, and making sure that the film doesn't turn into something that goes off course. I like how it pays homage to the original Ghostbusters films as well. Reitman does a very good job directing his young cast as well, as he gets some very good performances from Finn Wolfhard, 
and Mackenzie Grace and Paul Rudd. But what really I think makes Ghostbusters Afterlife a very good film was its screenplay. The screenplay written by Jason Reitman and Gil Kennan does a very good job creating a story that is more serious. Something that is different. As this could have been another Ghostbusters film where you just throw in a lot of laughs. But I liked how they paid homage to everything. Delight, Harold Ramis, the original 1984 Ghostbusters film, and more. There are some very good scenes in this film. Especially towards the end of the film. And at the beginning of the film. I could not help myself literally tearing up a little bit at the beginning and end of that film. Because that's when, spoiler alert, Harold Ramis' character appears. And to see his likeness at the end of the film, where it's all CGI, brought a couple of tears down my eyes. Because Harold Ramis was a very good comedic director. I liked Harold Ramis's work. He's done some very good comedies outside Ghostbusters. It was so devastating that he passed away back in 2014 because he was literally one of those comedic geniuses who's done some really great films whether it's acting or directing. So it was just so tearful to see his image at the end of this film. And I liked how the way they ended this film too. As it really does pay tribute to Harold Ramis. Ghostbusters Afterlife is probably the second best, if not the best film out of all the Ghostbusters franchise. Definitely check this out. It's definitely worth checking out for the whole family as well. And Ghostbusters Afterlife proves that the Ghostbusters franchise is back on track. Now, next episode of Anthony T's Horror and Wrestling Show, I am going to let you choose what film I review and what's Anthony T watching. But there's a catch. I put down 15 titles from... Four of the major boutique labels, Arrow Video, Severin Films, Scream Factory, and VS. I will do a video where I will use a number generator or something like that along the lines where I sign a film that I haven't seen a number. And if that number comes up, that's the film that will be put on the site to vote on. So there'll be like four films to vote on. So there'll be an Arrow Video title up there, a Sovereign Films title up there, Scream Factory title up there, VS title up there. Four titles. I will do like four random number generators to come up with the four titles. Then after the video, I will put it up on Auntie T's Horror and Wrestling's official Facebook and official Twitter pages. And we'll see which one wins. The video will be up a couple days after the podcast drops on YouTube. Then afterwards, I will put the video up on YouTube, Anthony T's Horror and Wrestling official Facebook, and possibly Twitter as well, if I can. 
then I create the polls. Once those videos are up, I create the polls. You'll have one week to vote on them. Whatever gets the most votes is the one I review. On the next episode of Anthony T. Sauer and Wrestling Show. With that, I want to thank you for listening to this podcast. Have a good day. Support indie wrestling and support indie horror.